cliffcentral.com. The Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. You're live with me, Kingsley Kipuri, on The Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com. As usual, we're going to be spending the next hour together. I'm in studio. Not with my regular co-host, Mr. Greg Nicholson. He's he's off changing the journalism world as per usual. Um, so he'll join us again next week. Really, really excited to jump in. I'm loving all the input on at DM shows today. Some people looking for love, it seems. So we'll see if we can make some <laughs> some matchmaking happen. This is the place to come. I got you. Whether it's political insights or you're just trying to shoot your shot for your next partner, you know, tweet us. I'm very, very, very excited for the next hour. That was three varies. Um... Often we talk about abstract political concepts and sometimes it can feel just very far away and very theoretical. So I'm really excited to, to, to be a bit more human today and speak a lot more about personal experiences, about uh, how people make themselves visible, make themselves heard, make themselves seen, um, how they feel accepted, how they find each other. So I'm really excited to, to, to get this discussion going. We'll be speaking about being black, African, queer and female. And I'm joined by two people much more, more knowledgeable than myself and, and who are out there doing incredible things. So I'm really excited to hear more about their personal experiences and about what's going on out there. To get started, first, I'm joined by Tiffany Kagure Mugo, who describes herself as a pan-African queer womanist dealing with sexuality and all things woman. She's a writer and she writes about sex, politics and other much less interesting topics. I don't know what she's trying to say about our political focus. She's written for a lot of publications far and wide, including the Mail and Guardian, Huffington Post and The Guardian, co-founder of Hola Africa which is an incredible platform we'll speak a bit more about. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you. I've been trying to get you on for a very long time. I don't lie. I feel like you weren't re- replying my WhatsApp. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> and secondly, Maneo Refilwe Mohale, uh, who describes herself as a queer black feminist, writer, performer, and community organizer, also has written for uh, various print and online publications, including Jalada, Hola, uh, The Beautiful Project, uh, The Mail and Guardian, and Expound Magazine. She's a 2016 Bitch Media Global Feminism Writing Fellow. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Doesn't it just feel so good to say that? Right. <laughs> I'm a Bitch Media Global Feminism Writing. Yeah. What? That's yes. <laughs> That sounds so hectic. Mm. And she writes about various topics, including race, media, queerness, survivorship, language, history, and silliness. Yes. Maneo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Like oh. I said, super excited to jump in. Mm. Um, and I'd love to, before we get, you know, perhaps too into the content, as I said, I really want to start personal. Mm. Um, Tiffany, I'd love to hear from you first. In in some of your writing and, and in our conversations before the show, um, there seems to be this this assumption, the founding assumption that being black and African and queer and female is a particularly unique combination of, of things that makes that 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 makes that a pretty specific thing to be that's not that's unlike just being black or just being African or just being queer or just being female. But when you combine those things it's a bit it, it's it a bit is. of a different it thing. It is. It's like know, a vortex yeah. of a whole host of things because you have to deal with like you have to deal with like um you know the whole woman thing so like you have to deal with you know being a woman and the roles you're supposed to have as a woman and then you have to deal with the culture thing that's always fun yo guys the culture thing hey mm-hmm. and then you have to just deal with the whole like sexuality thing and the identity of it being african and then how you're basically messing that up on so many levels because you're not being a proper woman yes. and you might not be a proper wife. Yo, yes. even if you're like the best wife mm. to some woman. And I feel I'm like, I've been in a six year relationship. I think I am awesome. Today, before <laughs> I came here, I washed socks, guys, <laughs> like 50 pairs of socks. Look at you. Right. Mm. Can you see me flourish? I do. And but the fact that I'm not doing it for some dude within wedded bliss, I'm like messing up the system. And so it's just that weird vortex of like so many very strange identities that people don't feel fit together. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about when, when sort of you first realize, and when you can jump in here, when you first realize and stop and say, Hey, I think I may not, I think the more I navigate dating and sex, I think perhaps I'm not quite conforming to what everybody around me is like. <laughs> yeah. That first inkling of, I think, yeah, something's a bit different here. Yeah. How do you, how do you, um, in as much detail as you feel comfortable sharing, of course. Mm. Um, how do you remember first sort of navigating culture, religion, parents, expectations? Whoa. Ooh. Well, okay. So 
I, those, those are such difficult things yeah. to navigate. I'm still navigating those things. Um, mostly bearing in mind that I only came out or came out. I mean, like we could talk about coming out that's, for that's, like, that's, that's a, a different conversation <laughs> for a different day, but I only, you know, really announced myself, I suppose, or, um, felt comfortable enough to tell my mother who I am about like a year ago. So very recently, mm. but in, in, um, you know, like the, the normative, narrative about like when did you realize i think mm. that um it wasn't necessarily a realization but a series of realizations a series of coming home to myself and a series of decisions that were steered by what felt right to me um but when you do that in the process of like self-discovery in the process of like maybe you you start to realize especially because I, I think i was around 12 years old mm. when i started Realizing of like, okay, the culture around me and the, the framework in which I'm, I'm, I'm me and becoming and growing, um, has a very, very, um, different opinion of who I think I am. And it's, it, it's, it, it was very early when I realized I'm like, okay, I don't fit with everyone else <laughs> in terms of like when everyone was selling, um, sending Valentine's to people. Mm. And I was like, mm. um, and also because I'm pansexual. So it's, it's not necessarily, I'm not just attracted to women or not just attracted to men. I'm mm. attracted to a lot of people on a very broad spectrum, mm. um, on the, on the very complicated, gorgeous spectrum of gender. Um, so <laughs> I think I, even now I'm realizing it's like even within queer discourses that there's there's still that like rubbing up against that dissonance, that that tension um, where people are like, you don't fit within a narrative of what I think a queer woman is. Um, I'm not going to lie. When I first met her, I was convinced she was straight. <laughs> yeah. Like I, mean, I was just like, what? Because I'm femme, right? And yes. like you don't, you don't, we have that thing of like femme invisibility where you, you, because I don't present as gay or mm. don't, and what does that even mean? But I don't have like the alternative lifestyle haircut. Mm. I don't present in a masculine of center mm. sort of way. You don't um, have the small cap. I don't have points to the side. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not, I, I look like a straight girl mm. that I move, I move through the world with that level of, of mm. sort of invisibility, which is always interesting to me. No. I'm glad you brought up invisibility. Um, Tiffany, in some of your writing, you mention sort of um, sort of a young person or a young African queer female um, looking online. I don't think you mentioned literally, but you sort of allude to somebody basically looking online to find other people like them. Yes. And not, not seeing anyone like them and, and that bring a feeling of invisibility who am i why are they no people like me could you speak a bit about that it it, it was that thing because like that's why we started holler because we were sitting around you know a few glasses bottles <coughs> of wine in and um basically we're like yo like whenever we go online and we're having and we just want to find out anything about being you know queer by that time i don't think we were using queer wasn't hot during that time no. so it's like being lesbian and you yeah. google African lesbian, all that would come up would be like a couple of Zanella Moholy pictures mm. and then like a ton of corrective rape articles. And now the problem is that's not everyone's existence. It's an important existence, yes, and it's an important narrative, but it wasn't everyone's existence. So now we, it was that whole thing of where are the stories about breakups? Where's the stories about bad sex? Where are the stories about like, you know, you feel like you're gaining weight and you can't deal with your own life? Where's the story about like how your friends suck? Because being like, a queer woman does not stop your friend sucking, your butt getting bigger, the sex last night being really trash, like really trash. Like it doesn't stop all of these things. So yeah. it was that notion of where are these like really important narratives? Mm -hmm. And then without these narratives, it's that feeling of you're, you're the only one. So like it's that whole thing, like the way that people talk about like whitewashing and things and, mm. you know, it's, it was that whole thing of there's only one narrative, the heterosexual narrative or the gay man narrative. Yes, white gay man. Oh, white gay man. Ooh, yes. they live their best lives. The though. best. The best. The best though. So now mm. it was a case of, cause even until I moved here to Joburg, I also, even with all the work I'd done with Holla, I still had mm. a very limited idea of what it was to be sort of like, an African queer person. You had to be in the NGO realm. You had to um, be some sort of rights activist. You had to be like woke as mess. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Joburg and I found all these like queer black people living their best lives, like who are being taught the same level of baby gender as any sort of 
heterosexual person um because even recently like because i'm a judge for the feathers and we had a judge's workshop and Sorry, what is the feather the feather awards yeah. it's the lgbt awards mm-hmm. right this year they're trying god bless them shame. so yeah no shame mm-hmm. like they, they've had their problems in the past but like this year it's like really focused and dope and um so the feather awards are basically they just honor people within the community so either lgbt people or allies and stuff so even within that space that is like predominantly lgbt like people would had to break down ideas of sexual orientation versus gender expression versus yeah so like it was that whole idea of there is just this lack of information Mm. outside of sort of like pockets like maybe a sumizi here or a who there or who there or Mm. you know a few photos by zanelle moholi or whatever Mm. so yeah that was basically the vibe you know i took based on your work i I took the challenge of i actually googled african lesbian this morning Mm -hmm. and i had my first page was full of porn yeah and then I think the second page, and then I think the articles around corrective rape and rape started. Mm-hmm. And I think close to the bottom of the second page, then then NGOs started popping up. It was just a bunch and bunch and bunch of NGOs. That says so much already, yeah. right? Like it, that those three things are the, are the first things that you see. And I mean, like narrative and discourse is like so, so, so important yeah. when you think about how a, um, a group of people's humanity is reduced. It's by reducing us either to violence yeah. or in relation to violence, in relation to over-sexualization and fetishization. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, I mean, seen the point. all the time because... Mm. All the time, mm-hmm. even in, in interpersonal relationships or like in, in microaggressions that I encounter all the time, that when people hear, particularly men, when mm-hmm. they hear, oh, you are like you're a queer woman or a queer person. And the first thing that they kind of like infer, it's like you see it in their eyes too. It's like Before either it's a threesome, it's like threesome, yes. threesome, or like you're not really queer bisexual, like you just, you, you're, it's a phase, mm. you know? And then NGOs as well, that the mm. only thing that, um, we have no life outside of that, according to that, that narrative, which is so damaging, mm. which is what I want to, and I think that Holla does so brilliantly in trying to push back against that narrative by saying, by, by complicating it, by fleshing it out, by humanizing us, because we've been human forever. Mm. We've never not been. So it's, it's really important to have platforms like that and to have voices to be like, hey, you know, right? We're doing we're capable other things, of joy, right? <laughs> and amazing things, and, so. and we're capable and boredom, of being rubbish, and boredom, right? and like blah blah blah, and you know? tweeting, bad sex, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when have you also experienced what Tiffany described as, as as struggling to find either online or perhaps when you were younger, just representations of people like you, and is that something that was important to you, and something that you tried to? To, to find of course yes and this is partly why i've become a writer why i'm writing right now um because it's i i struggle to find myself in the sort of books that i was reading mm-hmm. in in the in the films that i was watching in the music that i was listening to um in the art that i was consuming in 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 curriculum and pedagogy in in my classroom um Everywhere I couldn't find myself and, and you know, it's that old adage of you can't be what you can't see. Mm-hmm. So I, I was inspired by a lot of people, particularly Tiffany and, and a lot of women. I love you so much. Um, <laughs> um, by, by, by black queer folks that are, are inserting ourselves into the public archive, mm-hmm. into collective memory, into, in ways that are, that, that reinscribe our, our humanity. So, mm. yeah, that's the work that I want to do and that I'm committed to. And we must do it everywhere. All the time. We must write all the places. All the things. All the things. Yes. <laughs> We're coming for the pots. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in your shoes and sitting there and, and, and looking at either no information about, you know, black, queer, African women mm-hmm. or porn and NGOs and articles about corrective rape, at least for my first three. I didn't make it to page four or five of the no, Google search. So I'm not sure. I probably don't want to know what's, what's, what's after page three. <laughs> so where do, you, where do you start? Where do you, where do you start? In saying, I want to write the narrative. I want to write all the things. I want to tell the stories. Where, where does one start? Just, and how did you start that journey? I don't know. For me, it yeah. was, it was um, just writing in the most random places. That usually don't carry that sort of material. Like even like right now, being here on Cliff Central, right? Mm-hmm. Or where are we? 
I don't know, you know where we're yeah, yeah. Yes, we're here. <laughs> but yeah, so like even being here and speaking about it, it's almost a case of so it it exists and it exists in its entirety. Mm. So for me it's just a case of just inserting yourself into random spaces. Like when I started writing, um, one of the first places I wrote for was Thought Leader on the Mail and Guardian. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to try and write this article and I'm going to entitle it, What is a Lesbian? And I don't know, maybe I found the right gatekeeper at the right time. And Mm. this amazing woman who was like, she was the one who was the editor of Thought Leader at that time. And she was like, cool. And it was that idea of, okay, so you get your first piece and then we see how it goes. And weirdly enough, the piece did really well. And then that's how you then get your own Thought Leader. And, And so using that platform basically to speak about those things. Because I think one problem that sometimes we have as, you know, sort of people who are marginalized, putting the bunny ears or whatever, um, is that you then stick to writing for your own mm-hmm. and in your own spaces. Mm-hmm. So I've it's one thing I've really encouraged a lot of NGOs to do is stop writing on their websites. Mm-hmm. The people who've come to your website already know your steez. They already believe in what you... Stop preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've got in-house writers who are good enough to write for your website... Make them write for the Mail and Guardian. Make them send something to the Daily Maverick. Make them send something to This Is Africa. Make them send something to platforms that they like, that don't usually host that content. Mm. And I think that's really, really important in terms of furthering narratives and as is creating spaces like Holla and stuff. But even within Holla, um, one thing we do with, we try to do with a lot of our writers is they'll write something for us and then we'll be like, oh my gosh, this is actually really incredible. Can we send it on to another platform? And mm. we won't publish it on our platform until mm. we hear back from them because a lot of people don't like the whole mm, cross-posting mm. thing. Fresh, yeah. And they're like, oh, it needs to be fresh. So that's because we're like, anyone who comes to Holla already believes. They believe already. So like, <laughs> let's go try and make other people believe in other spaces. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, with me... Um, partly why I, I applied to Bitch Media um, is that I, I noticed that, you know, it's this fantastic, amazing feminist platform that's based in Portland in the U.S. Portland. And it's, yeah, hell, <laughs> hips central. Um, and it's, it's, it's 10 years old. It's this fantastic nonprofit feminist magazine that I've been reading for a while. Mm-hmm. And I saw uh, a void as well, not just on blackness, but on Africanness. Mm. And when they opened up this writing fellowship, they had four positions and one of them is global feminism. And even though I side-eyed, I'm like, what is global feminism? Like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to, to really delve into my own community and also write, do that thing that you were saying that insert myself and my voice in spaces that I don't, I see a silence. Mm. I notice a silence. Um, and, and thank goodness I, I, I got the, the, the fellowship and, and my focus so far has been, um, focusing on black queer magic and, and nice. focusing on black queer amazingness because there's so much to cover and I mean we're, there's sci-fi, there's feminist sci-fi black queer feminist sci-fi and and um, and skaters and music and like photographers fantastic photographers and people that are archiving you know so much the 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 breadth the full complexity of our lives and that deserves to be covered Mm. in the same way and fleshed out in the same way that other narratives are Mm. are covered Mm. so i'm really interested in this thing you raised about um telling your stories or right uh presenting your narratives in places where it wouldn't ordinarily be Mm -hmm. and and thinking of this sort of theoretical balance of efforts and how much time have at least in your own lives do you think is is worth spending on on people who don't get it people who are either deliberately not trying to get it people who are anti uh you existing mm-hmm. as a big black queer african woman mm-hmm. either who are aggressively anti it or passively anti it or just trying not to get it or just trying to pretend it doesn't exist mm-hmm. how much time do you find yourself spending on that and saying, we exist, we are here, we are important, mm-hmm. we're not going away, versus saying, you know what, it's not my job. It's not my job mm-hmm. to come and try and fight with you and argue with you. That's not my job. My job Ooh. is to to work within my community for us to make sure we're strong and we're united and we're good and we're making we're making things happen. How do you... Has that presented itself in your work? That, that sort yes. Of, that and this is an argument I've heard yeah. a lot. Just give it, us an example of, of how it's played out for you. That would be super Okay. Um, yeah. I guess for me, it's played out the most is 
when, like, you know, when there's the gatherings and the strategic meetings. And you and told me before the show that, what did you say? Queer people love to gather. What no, we say? do. Like, queer people and women, we love to gather. <laughs> and then when it, when you add the element of academia as well, ah, it's we're finished. Mm. For days. And conferencing, ah, we're done. But yeah, so now it's these, um, so now within these strategic meetings about yeah. like advocacy and stuff, um, you'll always get a moment. I always find there's a moment within these spaces yep. where there's just this general feeling of, like, be it with women, be it, like, even with black people, whatever, there's just this moment of it's not our space to teach you. And this is something that I understand, but sometimes I take issue with. Because I'm like, for me, it's a case of we don't exist in silos and we don't exist in vacuums. And the violence that you are... Oh, gosh, I've gone and used that word. Anyway, I know, right? It's it's downhill from here. It's okay. Come through. (laughs) So the violence that you, like, experience, like, socially, be it microaggressions, be it whatever, Mm -hmm. they don't come from other queer people, right? And so that's that's my sort of hesitation with the whole thing of, like, we're not here to teach you. And I understand there's some people who are actively obtuse. And for me, anyone who's actively obtuse... I'm like, I don't got time for you. But, like, you know when you can see the glimmer in someone's eye, where you're like, if I just try a little bit harder, if I just wait a little bit longer, if I just, you know, just for a... For one more minute mm. or one more day or one more hour or one more article I'll send to you. Oh, there's something so here. there's something there. And I'll give the example of, um, it's not a queer woman example, but it's an example of like sort of sex positivity and sexual agency. I was, um, having a conversation about a year ago, actually. It's our year anniversary. I should actually call her and tell her, you've grown. <laughs> but it was my cousin and we were having this whole argument <laughs> about whether marital rape exists. Okay. My mind broke. My mind, you, you know, when you're on the edge of tears and there's, and you're just like wanting to scream at someone. And she was just like, nah, fam. Like once you're married, the rules are different. Mm-hmm. If he wants sex, then blah, you need to give sex. And these mm. women who explain about headaches. And I was just like, no, but what about the fact that he's not dealing with the fact that, you know, if you are faking headaches for two months, the sex must be bad. This is a group thing that we need to... She's like, no, one day when you get married, you'll understand. And the really sad thing is her husband and her younger brother were just sitting there. And I'm like, stop being a guardian of the patriarchy for 10 minutes. Like, get your together, mm-hmm. right? And so basically, at that point in time, anyone could have been like, I'm not here to teach. I'm not here to like work with this. I yeah, don't like, need I'm this. not married to you, whatever. Right? I'm like, not married yeah, to you. I don't need to deal yeah. with this. But like, we kept on and the conversation kept on. And now a year later, you should hear some of the things she says. I'm like, yes. Like, she sends me articles and she's just like, yeah. So, you know, in terms of like, you know, sexual agency and I was yes. reading this sex positive yes. thing. I was like, yes, <laughs> did the work. But like, I think for me, it's a balance of sort of also balancing that and talking to people outside with actually also people within your sort of communities and the people who you want to reach out to because the problematic ideas about identity and about who we are are not only outside. Mm -hmm. So like it's, it's not only racism is not only outside. There's black people who think ill of themselves. Um, You know, misogyny is not only outside. Some of the worst mess I've heard has come from other women and even we're not even going to get into like the weird ideas within the LGBT community yes. where like biphobia. Bifo- Ooh, Ooh, guys. Panphobia. Okay. Panphobia. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> We've got to define some of these things in a second. Yeah. Those of us who don't know. Babes, yes. do you want to take biphobia? Okay. I will. Yes. Before you jump to that, I'm curious about, <laughs> I'm curious about your experience of how much time, mental energy, focus do you spend? Yeah. Uh, if we picture sort of theoretical battle lines on fighting those who don't get it. Yes. Versus saying, you know what? That's that's not my job to teach you. Yeah, it's my job to work on 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 me and my space and do my thing. Yeah, so I think that it's definitely been a journey for me. Okay. Um, that in the past I think that I was very much before I learned about things like emotional labor mm-hmm. and the Oof. bodies and the bodies that are expected to do this work and the bodies um, and the people and the groups of people that are expected to teach the people that oppress us. Um, and what that does in reinscribing the kinds of oppression that 
that we experience because it's like it maintains power dynamics by me taking time and energy and and like light out of my life to mm. sit down with you and explain to you what you're doing to me is is also a way of me comforting and cuddling and 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 spoon feeding you something that you should google is your friend you google know what i mean google is your friend google <laughs> is your friend um and i i want to make a teach like i want to get it to, i'm sure there's so many t-shirts out there like google is your best friend it's your best friend but i also understand and i appreciate and i know the kinds of of transformative work that that it's done on my life when people have sat down with me um i i lived in canada for four years and i didn't know anything about um indigenous issues or or settler colonialism or stuff stuff like that and it was through the patience of people that sat down with me and and let me kind of Unload and unlearn and, and, mm. you know, but also in at times being like, you know what? I'm not the person that should be doing this work for yeah. you. Read this book, read this article, go to this class, do the work yourself. Mm. So I think that that's, that's the spot in which I'm at at the moment that there are always going to be people that, that are invested in, in our invisibility, that are invested in the fact that we should stay in the shadows mm. because it, it secures their place in society. Their place in society depends on our invisibility and our annihilation and destruction mm. and death. Um, I, you know, like, okay, shop. I understand that. But I also understand that I need, you know, like soldiers on my behalf because mm. we're not going to be able to make this alone and I need solidarity. Mm. And I'm invested in the community. You know, like if you, if you're not prepared to show up for me or at least, you know, that glimmer in your eye that mm. there is something that wants you to kind of come and fight with me and fight beside me, mm. then I'm not going to be wasting my precious energy when I could be using that energy and uplifting my own community um, and working on myself, you know? I think it also depends on to what extent you have the space to do that, the mm. emotional space, mm. um, the conceptual space and all that. Like Because there are people who... Um, Sort of have I know I'm and I'll speak from experience. For mm. me, because of the nature of the work I do, because it's mostly online, and you know I'm gonna throw this word around because of the privilege, guys. Like mm-hmm. when I've had a long day, I show yeah. me you'll find me at like a bar with a good glass of wine. Yeah. Like I'm good and it's fine, and I work from home and I have a part. Like my levels of privilege are they? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's also understanding whether you can do the work because it comes back to that self care thing, mm-hmm. that looking inside and being like, Am I a capacity? Yeah. Do I have the capacity to do this? And right now in my life, I know I have the capacity to do this because, um, even like the, the fact that I live in South Africa as a Kenyan, like I don't have to deal with like sort of the intensity of family, the intensity of everyday society, the places I maneuver and stuff. So I get a break. Mm. So I understand if somebody does not want to be on the front lines over a glass of beer. I can be on the front lines of a glass of beer. I can be on the front lines at Christmas because I know, woo, come the 10th of January, my flight is already booked. Mm. Please know, like jet plane so yeah mm-hmm. it's already sort of just thinking about like whether you have the space to do these things absolutely Tiffany uh, in reading um, again some of your writing you you have this lovely and I, and I loved reading this morning and it's called Expl- explaining being lesbian to your grandmother guys <laughs> and I the, the reason I loved it is because I mean you guys are fairly educated and <laughs> and I, the reason I loved it is by reading it is that all of a sudden, all the all the feminist theory, all the gender studies, queer theory, it becomes a lot, a lot more of an obstacle than an aid to explaining. Yeah. So how how do you how do you explain how do you explain being lesbian to grandma? Have you is, was that real? did you have to explain being lesbian um, to grandma? I, I had to explain it to a yeah um she's she's um a, a great aunt to but yeah sort of my grandmother's cousin. Okay, it's my grandmother. It's my grandmother. Yeah, no, she knew me since I was yay high. And don't she, go around calling her your great aunt. I know, right? No, I, I just thought I was just trying to help the audience. That's your grandmother. It's my grandmother. Yes. Yo, let her hear this That's podcast and come for me. But she's one of those sassy, talks very quickly, okay. calls me Kagura, only, only speaks in Kikuyu. She, she like done. So now okay. when somebody only speaks in Kikuyu, how, how do you say like, you know, when one looks at, you know, the heteronormative structure of like, how do you say that in Kikuyu? 
I, you can't. And so it becomes a case of trying to explain like concepts like love. So you just, you explain concepts like, you know, like loving somebody, um, having that relationship, having that connection, like equating it to other sort of things. So like maybe going like, you remember how you and Huka were, you know, you remember that like connection that you and like grandpa, sorry, Huka, grandpa had, like imagine having that and not somebody telling you, you can't love him because he's this. It's like, yeah, but you know, at least Guka was a man. And, and then you're just like, okay, so you've taken three steps backwards, okay. but okay, let's try go forward. So it's like just, it's a, it's a case of breaking down everyday things. And I think that was for me one of the problems, like, because a lot of my initial understanding of sexuality was based a lot in academia. Um, because I wrote my thesis on it for like my honors and my masters. And then one day I'm like, yo, this thing's not giving me proper tools. Like I need to be, I need to be gone. And that's actually when I wrote, I think the article you're referencing, because mm. that was actually the first article I ever wrote, like where I'm just like, I'm not going to cite anyone. I'm mm. just going to draw from experience. I'm not going to talk about queer theory. I'm not going to, well, I'll mention queer theory to yeah. talk about the fact that it, just does not work, right? But, it doesn't bring it up work, in a way that's right. It doesn't work for yeah. my everyday. Like even explaining it to my cousins who all went to university, they're just like, <laughs> so what? So you're still like messing around with girls? I'm like, yo, there I, we go, there we go. Yeah. Uh, so now what? Yeah. When well, you describe yourself as a community organizer, <laughs> yeah. how have you? <laughs> No, 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 you know, just, I'm, I'm just, this, this, this idea of community and how to speak to people who don't, who may not understand the, the massive theories that we've amassed. Mm. How, how do you find yourself having these conversations? Yeah. Um, and how do we balance the importance of a lexicon? It's very important to have a lexicon and ideas and mm. theories and words yeah. for things that did not have words. That's important. Yeah. But at the same time, they, they're, they're a barrier as yeah. we go into the world. So how have you, how have yeah. you balanced that and how have you, so, this is such an interesting question Let's because I'm right in the middle of it. Please like, I'm like, I'm so deep within Please this whole situation. <laughs> Cause it's like, so I've, I've had so many conversations about even the word queer, you know, like yep. an amazing, an amazing, um, uh, theorist and, and academic who's based out of UCT called Zitmatwin. Um, I, I, I had like a, a um, I don't know what, like a, a chat, a community chat sort of thing at gala at, at um, gay and lesbian uh, memory okay. at the archive just here in Bits. And we had sort of like a, a, a round table with a lot of queer young people and um, they meet up. And we had this conversation about like, you know, the word queer isn't necessarily, how do you say queer, or how do you say queer in, in Susutu, which is my language? Yeah. And uh, there is a kind of that dynamic of so much of the theory that we cite and, and, and stuff comes from the US or the UK and mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. And it's about also pushing back against that saying that this is not a new thing. Cause that's also used against us that feminism is un-African, homo- homosexuality is un-African. It comes from the West. It's like all these, and it doesn't necessarily help that uh, where, when we look to try and, mm. and like bolster and, and, and make ourselves visible that we use a lot of the theory that comes from from the north, from the global north, mm. and it's about saying, okay, we've always been here, we've always already been queer, um, and it's not necessarily because that's also a bit of a trap to go in, back into the past and say and dredge examples and say, you see this, yeah. you know, pre-colonial, because yes, while that's important, because my my um, my what my my academic training is history, okay, it's it's important to do that, but I think that the important work, the real like. Like hot, hot, close work is in explaining, yeah, in explaining (laughs) ourselves to our grandmothers and Mm. explaining ourselves to our grandfather and saying, finding ways to say, because also we know in our communities, there are mechanisms of trying of, of exclusion, of spotting these people, they're the people that we don't talk about. There's that uncle that hasn't been married for mm. a long time. Yeah, everybody knows. Everyone knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. And that, and that, and that woman who everyone kind of looks at mm. sideways because she doesn't wear skirts at church. Well, or the two women who've been living together for like for the a last long time. 20 years. But they're best friends. They're just best, best friends. friends. Best, best friends. Squad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, and the whispers, and we have names for each other, but a, a lot of them are derogatory. A lot mm. of them are, are used against us. And even now, there are 
there are people in, in communities that are reclaiming that word in the same way as queer in the 60s was a, a, a very different word than it is now, mm. um, now that it's fashionable. Like, stubborn is not a word it's, that, that still has a lot of violence and a lot of pain mm. in the same way as words like kafir have a lot of, like, I know, a lot of pain and a lot of violence. You just made me want to leave. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But to bring that into the space, yeah. that it's, it's so much harder to reclaim words that still have a lot of power mm. in our communities that are used against us. So it's about, is it time to do imaginative work in calling ourselves new things? Is it, um, is it time to even do like that deconstructivist sort of work, even mm. to be like, screw names, you know, like we are who we are, but there's a lot of power, like, mm. as you say, in mm. identification, in lexicon, in saying, I am part of a community mm. and these, this is us. This is what we call ourselves mm. so that we can find each other in the dark and love each other in the light, actually, because we don't deserve to be hidden away. You know, I feel this just got sexy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the first show that's ever been described as sexy. <laughs> that's actually all I wanted. Um, emergence. Ah, yes. Whole African organization you're working for, not working for. You found it. I'm reducing your role. You found it. No You've shame. been running for a long time. It's excellent work, and I, I've, I've had the, the the privilege of seeing a copy of of this journal that you'll tell us a bit about just now. Can I just say for anyone listening in, it is beautiful. Oh, it you. jumps off the page. The writing jumps off the page. The art, the colors, the the, the it's it's a very very powerful thing you've created. So congratulations! Thank you. It's it's, it's powerful. Oh. What is emergence? Talk to us. So emergence was uh, the brainchild of my fellowship. Um, so I'm an open society youth fellow, and my whole project is looking at ways of people archiving themselves and then because you know with a fellowship you always need a case study <laughs> so I was like the African women you can't quiz. just get free stuff you, you can't just get something. free you gotta- <laughs> apparently you just go abroad and you're like give me money and they're like ah for what? <laughs> you gotta do something. Right? Yeah. So, my, so basically I was looking at how African queer women archive their stories and um I wanted to look at like different ways of doing it, but mostly within the digital space and how this space can be better utilized, especially by organizations and stuff. And then because I was like, I really need something funkier. I I, I like deliverables. I'm a woman of deliverables. Mm. So I was like, one of the things I actually want to produce within this is like an artistic journal. Mm. And I want to use all of the tools and tricks and whatever that I was talking about within the fellowship to do this. So, um, I did a whole like continent wide call asking people to sort of like submit everything from photo essays to poetry to short stories to whatever it was that people wanted to submit. And, um, so initially there was a bit of a trickle in cause you know, there's the shyness factor. Mm. And then eventually like more and more people started submitting and it actually got to the point where we have enough for two anthologies wow. and you are in the next one. Yeah. It's okay. Good times. <laughs> So like, so now this first one is called emergence because it just speaks to the idea of like emerging onto the world stage mm. and just like coming out and being like, we're here, we're queer. Are we still allowed to do that? Yes. Can we? Yeah. I, I like that. I phrase. love it. So I much. always loved it we so much. We are here. We are queer. Yes. <laughs> and so. That's another um, t-shirt. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And so like now with this, it was just this, um, sort of bringing together all these sort of, you know, women in this one, like artistic journal. And, um, so it was women and gender non-conforming persons, cause that's a thing. And, um, so yeah, it was just this project and it was graphic designed and there was photo shoots and we can't put it on issue because, you know, there's nipple, there's nipple, whatever. Free the nipple. Free please. the nipple. So yeah, so basically that's, that's just <laughs> it in a, like nutshell and it can be downloaded and it's not one of those things like as Holla were precious about. Yeah. Cause and like people were asking, so like, do you have to pay for it? Is there a paywall? And we're like, no, just read the thing. People need to know that yeah. these women are here mm-hmm. and like the stories in there, like there's one about a woman who goes to a strip club and just like, she sees the stripper and she just can't deal. <laughs> there's, um, <laughs> there's like a comic strip about a woman mm. in Nigeria coming out to her dad. There's something about, um, what it's like, you know, in the professional spaces and in the workplace. Mm. Uh, there's somebody who writes a letter to their grandma. Um, somebody just lists why they're not straight. So it's just levels. Oh, there's also this really beautiful, like, 
photo essay yeah. of like this wedding. It was just, guys, it's just like wedding goals. Oh, so gorgeous. But yeah, these are the things. No, it's, it struck me how you played with formats. I mean, like, like the comic strip, as you mentioned, the mm-hmm. photo essay of this just gorgeous wedding. And it doesn't need a whole narrative. It does, it's saying this is this is it. Look yeah. for yourself. This yeah. is love. Right. Um, and of course, there's I think there's some poetry in there, the actual letter writing, and mm-hmm. it's it's magical. And you've created something really important. And I, I think it's a great you. start. So is it is it available? People can read it. People can find it. Yeah, people can find okay. it online. Okay, so, so um, we'll tweet it, the link. Or yes. You can just, yeah. No, we'll yeah. tweet the link, and they'll tweet the link too okay. because they're awesome. Share. Yes, yeah. we shall share. Man. Yes. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things you click and you hit download, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, like stuff about being homosexual in a nine-to-five environment, mm-hmm. which again, something I never thought of. I mean, being heterosexual, something I don't have to think about is if you're homosexual, how do you do you say it at work? Do you not say it? Mm. And even something like the yeah. uniform you wear, because yeah. like I know, so like if you work at McDonald's, well, well, actually, no, where? Yeah, McDonald's. Like if you want like the men's shirt, it's something as simple as being like, but I I want the men's shirt instead of the. Yeah, no, this happens. No, like, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just picturing the whole thing of like, wait, why do you want the men? We, yeah. we already ordered it for you because you're but a woman. But you know, now you want a woman and you're thinky and when we looked on you're your You're messing up the system right. now. Like, yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. So, the, yeah, so it just, it did an array of things. And we tried to get from uh, stories from as many places around the continent as possible. Because what tends to happen is whenever you hear queer narratives from yeah. the continent, they always come from South Africa. Mm-hmm. Always come from South Africa. Then, you know, there's a couple of people who've been thrown in from like maybe Kenya. And then you hear like a violent story from Uganda, a violent yeah. story from Nigeria, and then that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to get as many just like funky stories from around the continent. So like we tried to get people from like bots, some people from Egypt. We did... Have a good attempt at trying to get people from like Arabic countries, right? Like to actually write in Arabic, but yo, that proved hard, so hard. But like we're shooting it's for the start. next it's anthology. The, it's the start. Yeah, it's the start. Again, a mass congratulations, but now here we hear that you'll be in the next one. Yes. So excited to. <laughs> okay, you can't hear it, but there's, there's I'm doing massive a little dance. I'm excitement doing a little in the studio. Dance of excitement. Um, when we talked with before we went on air, we have a tweet here for you. Oh, from at Bangidi, someone who we've actually had on the show, so I actually know who this is. Yeah. And he says, "If you knew what crush I have on my name, jeez, everybody, wow." And wow. I like how he doesn't explain the crush. He just says, "If you knew the crush, <laughs> if you knew." <laughs> Please, please, please. I'm okay. So, so at least we at least have one very eager listener, if nothing nothing else. I'm fine. Thanks. Thanks so much. Love connection. It's not love back. (laughs) Tiffany, you're launching your journal this this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, on Saturday. Okay. What are the details? Um, so it is at the Osisa offices. Um. 148 Jan Smuts Avenue. So there will be wine. So much wine. You should have just said that at the beginning. Right? I should have just come been like, forget the rest of the podcast. Wine. (laughs) wine. Out. (laughs) Got the mic. Right? And there'll be art. Um, We got like uh, people to send like their artwork and their, you know, stuff. So we made posters. Like, for example, there's a woman who sent the pages of her lesbian Kama Sutra book. Can you please? Right? So we've got, we've got some of those up for like people to see. And it's a coloring book. So it's not only erotic it is also soothing Stress, like right right thing. and she's from kenya so that's also very interesting so yeah. we're trying to make it as pan-african as possible and yeah and just inclusive and there's also sweets but people are coming for the wine we know people are coming for the wine yeah mm. hey, as long as they come <laughs> something else you're working on because of course you know one major launch at a time is not enough for you is a safe sex and pleasure manual yes tell, tell us about that so that one was to like I don't like I think Manel you can also speak to yeah, this please. like this whole idea of like safe sex with between two women mm. just never happens like it just it really actually does not happen because it's the idea of being low risk or no risk actually it's the idea of being no risk not and sure. so like you know cuz you can't get I realize with people once you can't get pregnant then suddenly all other things fall away. So you're just like, you have people who are like not using protection because they're like, I can't get pregnant, blah. So now we did this um, manual at the end of like a series of things we were doing. So we'd held a bunch of dialogues and we'd found some really problematic ideas about consent. 
Hmm. Yo, that's a podcast for another day. Yes. We've got two follow-ups already. Right. I'll, sure, I'll cash in on these conversations. No, you need yes, to cash please. in. Like the problems of consent within the community. So we found yeah. like, so people went like safe, like doing, having safe sex. Um, then those like issues of consent. And also sometimes just because there's not that information, yeah. like even just stuff like sex positions, guys, like, you know, there's there's a lot to do out there when you're two women. And like, mm-hmm. you know, that idea of, of just being asked, so what do you as women do in bed? You know what? Damn it. Now there's a manual. Yes. There is actually a manual. You want to know? As you said, come through, come through, right? Yes. And like, you know, you must go educate yourself and it'll be fine. Yeah. So that's what the point of, so the manual is not just, um, about just safe sex, yeah. but it's pleasure as well. So it has like how to take care of your sex toys, how to give head like a champ, right? Like, because, and this is for everybody. Yeah. It's not just for pound it, right? Yep. So it's not just for like women who are having sex with other women. Like a dude can pick up this manual and pick yeah. up like a whole bunch of tricks. Um, there's also, there's also a section on how to use your sex toy in a way that will give you better orgasm. Yeah. So it's, it's really for everything to teach about everything because these conversations do need to be had because like women who have sex with women get left out of the, like the sexual reproductive health rights narrative yeah. mm-hmm. because it's just this idea that you're exclusively sleeping with women, but that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Like, um, You'll be like you have bisexual women who are sleeping with like men as well. You have pansexuals, right? You have women who identify as lesbian but are still sleeping with men. Like I've met enough women who identify and they're like, I'm a gold star lesbian and will judge me for like, yeah, there's so many things out here we must learn and know, right? And like you will have a conversation where they're like, I'd never go down on a, on a bisexual. This is a conversation I personally yeah. had. They said they'd what? never go down on a bisexual because a man's been, the man's no! penis has been in there. What is this? I just sat there and I was like, what? Yeah, no, uh, to my face, I was told this and okay. I was just like, okay, cool. But this same woman yeah. will have slept with a man four months ago. And the thing is, there's a whole host of like yeah. disease, like diseases and STDs and STIs that women can pass between each other. So now we were just like, these are the things that happen where we end up with an, like an epidemic on our hands. Also, did you know that there's some STDs that are becoming immune to drugs? The WHO like released the okay. report. And some of those are ones that women can pass between each other. Mm-hmm. So now guys. We need to know. Right? Yeah. And we need to be better. Yeah. So now there's a manual. Thank you okay. for doing the I work. I mean, you linked, <laughs> you linked to this study around women who have sex with women. And, and when they did the research of, do you think you, you're at risk of STDs or STIs? And a, lot, a staggering number of people answered, no, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. So I think you're absolutely right in saying there's a big subsection of people that are being left out of the reproductive yeah. health sort of cycle. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that it's just, it's also... Not necessarily the responsibility of queer women, even though that this this is work that we're most equipped to be doing because we know ourselves the most. Mm. But it's just like it, it's about expanding the conversation to healthcare yeah. practitioners and educators mm. that when we I mean, imagine the kinds of differences that we could have had in high school when, if we had an inclusive, responsible, um, sensitive sexual Education, mm. like that sex ed wasn't just heterosexual, that it wasn't just like use a condom, don't get pregnant. Yeah. Or like if it, or gendered and patriarchal in a way that's mm. just like if you're a woman, keep your legs closed. If you're a guy, use a condom. Yeah. You know? So I think that this work is part of a broadening of a conversation, but also not losing sight of the fact that the systems are also accountable yeah. mm. for the kinds of, the, the kind of mess that we're in at the, at, at, as well, because we don't have as a sexual education that includes us. It's there's, comprehensive There's as well. still that yeah. silence. And in, in this case, silence has a cost mm. and has an impact and is, again, violence. Like, has has a kind of violent impact, mm. even though we hate that word. Yeah, no, we need to it's stop using it, guys. I know. Oh, I know. violence. <laughs> everywhere, but it's okay. Okay. Mm. We're going to the last, like, three minutes of the show. I don't know where the time has gone. We're <laughs> having too much fun. And I, I want to pose a question. Now we're talking especially around health is... Do you love to hear from both of you? Do you feel, do you feel a pressure or responsibility or around moving beyond, um, what can be very middle class spaces? So whether it's, it's get togethers or gatherings or whether it's online content, um, 
of Biruim beyond that And there's always this criticism And I definitely own that It's always from people who are doing nothing Who say <laughs> Well you guys just do your things online And you just have your things at art galleries What about the lady in the taxi rank What about the lady in the township mm. What about her What if she's a lesbian Who talks to her mm. Do you feel a pressure to move beyond middle class spaces And try and be more more inclusive From a wider community perspective Or you, do you think it's important to just listen Do You are in this space What is the best work you can do in your space and and perhaps the rest will sort of follow from then on. Do you feel a pressure? Do you want? I suppose. Do you hear the criticism? Yes. Um, do you feel the pressure? Do you think it's your place, or is it just people like me who are doing nothing, who are, who who suddenly have ideas on how to criticize people doing the work? Um, I think that it's it's a very important um, intervention to yeah. make mm-hmm. to say that sometimes the kinds of activisms that we do are are quite siloed, mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's. An immensely valid okay. criticism to make and always to be thinking about access and access is always a, a, mm. a very important conversation to have. Mm-hmm. But I think that also sometimes it invisibilizes the work that's already been done uh, mm. and invisibilizes invisib- and erases the work that is being done in communities that are, that are very, very careful about access. Like for example, right now I'm working with uranti.org mm. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're super, super, super amazing. Um, also because they, they are constantly thinking about access mm. that they go into all kinds of um, um, communities and partner with organizations that are, are grassroots in communities and townships mm. in mm. in rural communities, etc., to be doing holistic national work, gender dynamics, like, again, in, in Cape Town mm. um, that are partnering, not necessarily doing the sort of top down NGO kind of work, mm. even though that, you know, like that's very important yeah, work to be doing. Yes, but they are partnering with work and, and communities and organizations that are, are doing work for their own communities. And mm. also like there's a huge blind spot that happens. And I think sometimes um, we are at danger of internalizing a kind of savior complex and that like, I know all the things because yeah. I went to university and therefore I'm going to go and put S on my chest and go into Katlehong, etc. When them you all the things. because yeah. and, and we shall empower them yeah. because there's an insidiousness, <laughs> there's insidiousness about classism yeah. in mm-hmm. that way to say that just because you're in a middle class space, whatever that means, that you know better. Mm. Um, but the people and and this is like a, a, such a essential thing always to emphasize that the people at that are closest to the issue are the ones that should be leading an issue. Mm. The most marginalized are the ones that should be leading issues. Mm. And a lot of times that there's no space for that to happen. So, yeah. I mean, please don't erase and invisibilize work that's been done because there are amazing folks doing amazing things. Okay, so we have the answer saying, here, this is one person doing this great, these are these organizations, the work is being done. Yes. Mm. Okay. Like, I think for me, I I echo that. It's just, like, I know in the work we do, it's a case of, We'll find somebody and we'll be like, how can we support you? Because, and also it's understanding what you bring to the table. So if my, your criticism of me is I am purely online and I'm like, okay, but we can't do everything all the time. So mm-hmm. you who is offline or this community that needs this sort of reaching or how, it's a case of how can you support and yeah. sometimes breaking down the silos and being like, okay, cool. So Iranti does like, for example, like Iranti does a lot of like video stuff and, Oh no, he's in trouble. I I'm can see trouble. your face. You're in trouble. In trouble. <laughs> no, but like yeah. basically yeah. to conclude yeah. support. Break down the silos. Work with people. <laughs> what a powerful slogan. November 19th, we have the launch of Emergence, the artistic journal. Monet will be there. Tiffany will be there. I will be there. It's going to be wonderful. Ladies, I have to have you on at some point again in the future. We I am not shy to make it happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> everybody, thank you so much for t- tuning in. That's Tiffany Kagurimugo. Maneo Refule Mohale will tweet their Twitter handles and all the incredible work they're doing. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com. <laughs> The Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.